One of the biggest airlines in the world is not forcing its employees to get vaccinated, but instead is imposing a surcharge on its unvaccinated workers. And that, dear listeners, wasn't even the biggest vaccine mandate news of the past few weeks. Today on the podcast, we break down everything that's been going on with employer vaccine mandates and try to make sense of it all. Hello, you're listening to On the Merits, the weekly legal news podcast from Bloomberg Law. I'm your host, David Schultz. So around three months ago, we did an episode on vaccine mandates on this very podcast. Specifically, we talked about how a small handful of companies were starting to require their employees to get the COVID-19 vaccine, and also about the litigation that was ensuing as a result. Well, just three months later, and a lot has changed. Some more companies are issuing mandates, but others, like Delta Airlines, are getting creative. And of course, all that now pales in importance to what President Biden announced last week. Starting soon, all federal employees, employees of federal contractors, and most employees in the healthcare sector will have to get the shot, although some private sector companies may be able to just regularly test their employees who don't want to get vaccinated. Obviously, this poses a lot of questions, not just for employers, but also for the federal agencies that will have to carry out this order. And to sort through it all, we're going to hear from Paige Smith and Robert Iafola, two reporters on Bloomberg Law's Labor and Employment Desk. I started off by asking Paige to specifically go into what the president's actions here will mean for federal contractors. So it essentially said that on or after October 15th, companies starting new contracts or extending or renewing contracts, as well as subcontractors, will basically have to comply with any upcoming guidance from the White House's um, Safer Workplace Task Force, if you will. So um, what that guidance will exactly say isn't yet known. The task force will issue sort of more guidance by September 24th, um, but it's presumably going to include a vaccine mandate for the federal contractors. And um, as our reporting has indicated, any sort of vaccine mandate is a huge deal, um, but especially when you talk about the entire universe of federal contractors, it's a huge deal. Bobby, what do you think about that? Yeah. So as Paige mentioned, um, the president unveiled this sort of suite of different initiatives in, um, designed to boost vaccine uptake. We have lagging uh, vaccination rates and, you know, this booming uh, Delta variant fueled surge. So part of that was the contractor order. Another piece of this is uh, directing the Occupational Safety and Health uh, Administration um, to develop an emergency temporary rule to require larger employers, basically you know companies with 100 or more uh, workers, to implement um, vaccine mandates of their own. And we haven't even talked about the the people that that Biden controls most directly, federal employees themselves. Yeah, so there's a whole other uh, element to Biden's plan uh, that's more direct. There's federal workers. Uh, there's also healthcare workers um, mandating some 17 million healthcare workers to get vaccinated. Uh, that's done using the executive branch's powers through. Um, Medicare and Medicaid programs. So federal employees are going to have to get vaccinated. Healthcare workers are going to have to get vaccinated. Federal contractors are going to have to get vaccinated. And companies larger than 100 employees are going to have to get uh, vaccinated. Although they do have the regular testing alternative available to them. 
who does this leave out? This seems like it it covers like a huge percentage of the American workforce. Uh, yeah, I think that's the administration's hope. Um, there's still you know small businesses, businesses with under 100 employees, uh, which make up a large percentage of the overall uh, number of companies in the country, but not a majority of the workers in the country. But yeah, that's that's the design of the plan is to uh, to get as many people vaccinated as possible. I think also just to add, uh, federal contractors employ approximately 25 percent of the American workforce. So that fact alone kind of tells us that this will have a substantive effect. Um, but I will say there are some contractors who already have vaccine or regular testing mandates in place. Right. Um, and Bobby, again, I wanted to ask you about the OSHA angle here. Uh, you know, you mentioned that OSHA has to develop an emergency rule, and then presumably it also has to enforce that uh, emergency rule. Does it have the capability to do this? This seems like a huge lift for OSHA. Yeah, there's a lot of things that need to happen. Um, OSHA is, uh, you know, an infamously underfunded agency, uh, and that affects both its ability to develop rules and to enforce rules. Um so the agency, using its authority to issue these emergency temporary rules, they'll be able to do this in a matter of um, you know, several weeks, but then they have to enforce it. And if, if it's a order that's going to, um, if it's a rule that's going to cover some 80 million workplaces, that's going to be a, a tough lift for an agency that has approximately one, well, combining state OSHA agencies and federal OSHA, the ratio is something like one inspector to every 83,000 workers. Yikes. <laughs> um, Paige, maybe you can answer this one. Um, you know, what is the reaction here? And do you think that are people saying that this will survive legal scrutiny? Because, you know, this seems like a really sweeping action to take for a president without action from Congress, you know, he's doing this unilaterally here. Um, what what do you think is going to happen next? So for contractors, I think there's been a, not I think, there, we've heard that there's been a lot of confusion thus far. A lot of that is just stemming from the fact that these guidelines aren't actually public yet. Um, so they're kind of flying blind until they have some further um, clarity from the White House task force. Um, and many contractors have told us that they're just kind of waiting to see how this plays out, what the guidance says, um, really before moving forward with their own uh, reactive policies. Um, and from a legal standpoint, you know, the president has um, sort of wide jurisdiction, at least over employees of federal contracts, because, um, you know, the government can essentially choose who they who it does business with. Um, so that's kind of an interesting um, legal component there. Part of the trade-off that OSHA has with its ability to issue these emergency temporary standards is they get to skip the very long and laborious rulemaking process, um, but they have a bit of a higher bar to uh, meet when it comes to justifying the need for a rule. When they're developing a normal standard, that standard is going to be something that's intended to protect workers from a significant risk. In the case of an emergency temporary standard, uh, it has to be something that protects workers from a grave danger. Uh, and that's something that's been um, a dispositive factor in legal challenges to emergency temporary standards in the past. Um, OSHA in its history uh, has issued 10 of these. 
the most recent one being a, a healthcare COVID-related uh, emergency temporary standard issued earlier this year. Uh, six of these standards have been challenged in court, and five of the six uh, that were challenged were struck down by courts. Mm. So let's move on to the private sector now. Um, you know, Bobby, you were on this podcast about three months ago talking about companies being very hesitant to issue vaccine mandates to their employees, uh, you know, for fear of litigation, fear of getting sued. Um, it's been three months. A lot has happened since then. The vaccine has been formally approved by the FDA. And we've also seen the rise of the Delta variant. Speaking of Delta, I'm sure the uh, airline would not be happy that I made that segue. Um, let's talk about Delta Airlines. What are they doing? They just did something really interesting to encourage their employees to get vaccinated. So pretty recently, Delta Airlines, uh, not Delta variant, Delta Airlines, and they made very clear it was interesting in their release to differentiate the two. Um, Delta Airlines announced that a $200 monthly fee will be applied to employees in Delta's healthcare plan who haven't received vaccinations by November 1st. Um, And so Delta's chief legal officer, Peter Carter, spoke with us sort of about why that was and, and what his thinking was behind implementing that policy. And he really shared with us that even immediately after the surcharge was announced, a number of workers kind of rushed to get vaccinated. And he was really trying to close the gap Um he, they'd seen, as I think a number of localities across the country are seeing, sort of a tapering off of um, people wanting to immediately get the vaccine. So why did Delta decide to do this? This seems like more of a um, carrot instead of a stick approach here. Why did they decide not to just say all of our employees are going to be vaccinated full stop? I posed this question to Peter Carter, who is Delta's chief legal officer, and he told us that his focus is really just on encouraging as many people as possible to get vaccinated and that he viewed that the surcharge was the best way to do that, in his opinion. Um, He said that a vaccine mandate would, quote unquote, put them in an impossible situation. Um, And he said he just wants to be able to say at the end of the day that Delta did everything it could as a company to get workers vaccinated. So that's just that's sort of what he told us. Um, But in terms of, you know, the thinking behind it, um, uh, he didn't go into more detail on why exactly why a straight vaccine mandate was sort of nixed in favor of the surcharge. Well, he didn't go into detail, but uh, we can here. Um, you know, you talk to a lot of uh, legal experts and lawyers who work in this field. Do you think part of it is that he talked with the lawyers in his department and, you know, d- determined that a vaccine mandate just wouldn't be possible to withstand legal scrutiny? I posed the question to him. To I asked him if he was worried about any sort of legal challenges, and he had a very clear answer of no, not at all. Um, But I will say that there are a number of interesting outside factors to consider. I mean, that um, I won't pretend to be an expert on the labor market in the sense that there are um, difficulties hiring workers or recruiting workers at this point in time, but that could be one component of it. There could also just be the idea that you know, Delta would be faced with the tricky situation of having to say to workers, get vaccinated or we're going to fire you. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing new about this. Um, I was talking to employment lawyers last fall, um, you know, as the 
vaccines were getting ready to be approved on an emergency basis by the FDA uh, about the question of vaccine mandates. And one of the chief issues, um, there's a lot of companies that have never been involved in something like mandating a vaccine before. It's one thing for a hospital or a school to mandate a vaccine. It's another thing for a sporting goods store or a restaurant to order their uh, workers to get vaccinated. So there's long been this concern that there's going to be employee relations problems. Uh, there'll be some employees that will quit. There are also other um, legal requirements with having a vaccine mandate, uh, such as dealing with um, health-related uh, requests for accommodations, religious-related requests for accommodations that make the programs a hassle uh, to administer and, again, these employee relations issues. And I guess that's where the Biden order comes in, that it actually is a, a big help to a lot of employers that um, maybe didn't want to have to deal with these employee relations problems, but now they can impose this vaccine mandate and say, hey, look, the federal government's making us do it. It's not our choice. So finally, uh, let's take a big step back and look at this from, you know, 30,000 feet. Um and I, I'd like both of you guys to sort of weigh in on this. Where do you think we're going to be uh, on this issue in another three months, you know, toward the end of the year and into next year? W where do you think we're heading? Do you think we're heading towards more va more mandates or the same? I think to some respects, um, it'll be driven by the pandemic. If cases are still surging, um, then the need for a mandate is going to be a lot stronger uh, if things clear up, then maybe there won't be as much pressing need. But ultimately, you know, we have employers that are trying to sort of build a better mousetrap uh, when it comes to how to do vaccine mandates. Do they do surcharges in their insurance? Do they have vaccine mandates but enforce those through masking and testing requirements instead of termination requirements? But as this issue unfolds, it seems clearer and clearer that if an employer wants their workforce to be vaccinated, they're going to have to impose a vaccine mandate of some variety. Um, I think that's the bottom line. Paige, what do you think? Yeah, I to echo what Bobby said, I think at this point in the pandemic, we learned that really no one can predict what's going to happen next. Um, I'm most interested to really see how Biden's executive orders affect sort of the vaccine mandate landscape as more companies implement their own vaccine mandates, perhaps it will, there will have a ripple effect. But I really, I, I think it just depends on, yeah, on the pandemic and um, just an, a number of factors, many of which we may not even be able to predict at this point in time, such as how we weren't able to predict where we would be three months ago. So we'll, we'll have to see. Those were the voices of Paige Smith and Robert Iofola, two reporters on Bloomberg Law's Labor Desk. They spoke with me earlier today, September 14th. And that'll do it for today's episode of On the Merits. It was produced by myself, David Schultz. Our editor is Jessica Coombs, and our executive producer is Josh Block. Reach out to us on Twitter if you have anything on your mind. We use the handle BLaw. That's B as in Josh Block. Thanks for listening, and see you all next week. Those nine justices in Washington, they can be pretty hard to keep track of. That's where we come in. I'm Jordan Rubin. And I'm Kimberly Robinson. On our podcast, Cases and Controversies, we give you a week-by-week -week accounting of the Supreme Court. The filings, the arguments, the opinions, and much, much more. So check in on Fridays with Cases and Controversies to find out what's coming up on the horizon at the Supreme Court. 
download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.